0: Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets SEL podcast, episode 21. This is Andrea Samadhi. Today we have someone I've been watching, cheering on, supporting, and giving him all the love I can possibly imagine. Because when I first heard of his goal to create an educational documentary to impact change in our struggling schools, I knew he'd be the one to accomplish this. Spencer Taylor is a filmmaker, the co-founder of Vibe Source, a movement of conscious thinkers dedicated to mind, body, and soul. And he spent the past three years traveling the world from the U.S., Canada, Finland, and China to interview leaders in education for his upcoming documentary, "The Death of Recess. Welcome, Spencer, from the road. Uh, while you're working, it's great to have you here to share what you've been up to the past three years.
1: Thank you, Andrea. I appreciate it. I ever since. We met back in, um, did we meet in Arizona for at yeah, the seminar? At
0: house, right? yeah.
1: yeah. Yep, I remember shooting at your house and it, it really stuck out to me because on this journey to figure out what's happening within the education system, it becomes, you know, a little hopeless at times because of how daunting this challenge is. And so wow. meeting other people like yourself who are passionate, who are, you know, just hungry and motivated to fix and and change different systems, no matter what. Uh, From the bottom of my heart, that means a lot and it's very inspiring and it really fuels me.
0: Oh, thank you. I felt the same way when I met you. I thought I've gotta do what I can to support you because um, you're gonna do it and you are doing it and I'm so excited. Can you give us some background on your vision for this film? Um, You've been working so hard. And how this documentary will be different from other ones that we might see on Netflix?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the documentary, as you mentioned, is called The Death of Recess. And that inspiration really came through my experience within education. It was a very just traditional approach to schooling, like many of us went through uh, to varying degrees. And You know, I was a very, very creative individual. I found a way to get my schoolwork done quickly um, so that I could go right back into playing and having fun with my friends and talking with my friends and drawing. And school and teachers always punished that. And I felt like, you know, I was brilliant at what I did, which was drawing and making videos and exploring. And school was just not for me it was like forcing you know a round a, a round peg into a square hole it, it's it's not meant to be there and i felt that way i felt like i was not meant to be in the education system that we are currently experiencing so that motivated me to ask why you know why uh, why do we structure our schools in such a way where standards rule how we educate every single kid why is it that there's brilliant minds and genius kids at you know an elementary level and by the time they reach high school and college they're in massive amounts of debt they're very lost they don't know what they want to do and they're working in nine to five and you know they're right back into the system so it was clear to me that something was broken And that's really where the motivation for the death of recess happened. Because as soon as I started researching what's going on within education, one of the first trends I saw was that, you know, there were certain schools and I saw in Texas and throughout the United States that were actually taking away recess. People were eliminating recess. And I remember I thought that's so ridiculous because, you know, after fifth grade at my school, we eliminated recess. And, you know, we would only really get to be active, you know, during, a gym class throughout the day and i remember recess was such a freeing time so it is is an incredible time to use our imagination and to explore and so that really led me down this rabbit hole over the past 5 years of just trying to get a grasp on what's happening within education and you know why does it move so slow why isn't there a way that we can identify You know, some very basic principles that are scientifically proven are backed by, you know, incredible researchers like Carol Dweck and there's dozens of other people that I've I've included in the film, Sir Ken Robinson and you know, big picture learning and you know, all these different beautiful schools and districts popping up all over the place. Why can't we, on a state level, from a government standpoint, implement some of these strategies to all public schools overnight? You know, it, it's like, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me that we can't do that. So that's really what this upcoming documentary is going to be about is exploring each of these states and each of these governments and all these different colleges and K through 12 systems and trying to find out, is there a way that we can really change public schools and we can change the, the standards to get into college so that we can eliminate some of this pressure that's built up over time. and you know, this money has, and the and cost, I should say, of college, that's just been, you know, skyrocketing. All
0: right, and how, how do you see it's gonna be different? What, what are some of the things you're doing to make it stand out from other documentaries?
1: Yeah, I think the there's so many good documentaries uh, about education, and one that really sta- stands out to me is Most Likely to Succeed, and it was a beautiful film. I think there was a lot of things that were captured. Um, I, I personally, as a filmmaker and as a YouTuber, I didn't, I didn't really um, resonate with the way in which they released the film because you can only find it at a screening. You know, it was very difficult to find online. And I think that's not gonna be the way to fix <laughs> a big problem is to put it behind a wall that you know, only certain people can get access to. And on top of that, it was only focused on high tech high, which was one school. And that really, from the feedback I've received, it was unrelatable. There was a lot of school districts across the country that just couldn't relate. They didn't have the same resources. You know, so what I wanna do with this film is show dozens of schools and dozens of solutions and then use that documentary as a means to connect all of these communities spread across the country to those resources. Um, so it's really an awareness piece.
0: Yeah. yeah well, I think it's amazing the first person you chose to interview was Carol Dweck was she one of your yeah. first ones first she first-
1: was the the very first interview, oh, which is insane i mean i I saw her TED talk a long time ago, and that was the big inspiration for me and I reached out to her and you know she got back to me like a couple months later after i had kind of forgotten about it and um so I ended up flying um I actually drove from Los Angeles up to Stanford and interviewed her in her office. And that really, you know, that interview helped me understand, you know, what, what is happening cognitively in the minds of kids that are going through a traditional graded, you know, uh, system. And there's actually science to back that that is not the most effective way and efficient way to learn.
0: Right, and and so we've talked so much about the, the challenges that you see. I remember when you first started this, you kept saying, let's change the curriculum. And I remember thinking, okay, so watching something that I'm passionate about, social emotional learning and neuroscience get infused into the standards has been painstaking. Like it's been yeah. I've been watching them put the standards in place since 2016 and still only half of the states have it. Canada's far ahead than the US. And so when you were like, oh, let's just change the, the curriculum, I was thinking, but, but how, like you say, how can we do this quickly? And so um, have, you, have you learned anything else about how, uh, from the, the people you've interviewed, how this is happening? Like maybe from Lori Desitel, how are, how are they in small, hmm. over the country that you see is going to take off?
1: Yeah, I think you kind of answered it. I think the the change is happening within these small individual pockets where people like Lori, you know, people, there's so many people, incredible people within education that are doing incredible things. You know, they're making big shifts on a local level, on a community-based level. And then there's also big picture learning and, you know, there's other districts like Iowa Big that are making change on a district level or, you know, they have like big picture or alt school, you know, um, altitude learning it's like 40 different districts. So it's really beginning. I think the business model is, is always what takes the most time. And I think the business model is really actually starting to be proven by people and superintendents and teachers that understand what true real you know experiential based learning is because i think this is this is one of the issues that i've come across is you know i get really excited when i find a a very you know progressive or innovative school but a lot of times the issues or or a charter a private school but a lot of times the issues is you might be teaching them you know new things but you're teaching them still in that old way where you're still preparing them for college you're still preparing them for a test you're still preparing them for some you know structured approach where there's a teacher in front of the classroom you know you're following modules and you know that's you you might be doing project-based learning but I think what really needs to happen is these individuals need to work in the, the teachers need to work individually with the students across the board to pull that genius out of them and we can't we can't do that with the pressures of, of standardized testing so even though these pockets are popping up all over the place we still face a massive pressure of preparing our kids for college and mm-hmm. for a degree where I'm really interested in exploring how can we rethink college because we have eight percent of our our tuition is um, inflating at 8% so that means every nine years the cost of college doubles so that means you know in nine years from now most people are not gonna be able to afford college so we have to rethink college at some point so I think we should do it now and I think we should remove the standards of getting into college and we should replace those with life skills we should replace those with apprenticeships internships at a very young age I think we should use high school as a you know an experiential you know time to really go out into the community and get involved instead of this structured institutionalized way of warehousing students and putting them in a building that resembles a prison like there's a 40 million dollar school being built right now in michigan that sounds great right a 40 million dollar school the reason why it's 40 million dollars is because they're creating it to be um to to avoid a a school shooting so not we're not investing 40 million dollars in these child's careers you know what we could do with that kind of money but we're building a school that you can lock down and you know it has bulletproof windows like is that really where we're going is that really the direction we think that is is the best direction for education i think that's so sad
0: yeah it it is When you were traveling internationally, what were some of the differences that you saw with schools like in Finland? You know, we all know that they're supposed to be the best. Their system is labeled as the best, with school hours cut in half. They give little homework, no standardized tests, 15-minute recesses, free lunches. What What did you learn from other countries that we could perhaps?
1: Yeah. Well, like you said, Finland is. I would say. just one of the most incredible escapes from reality here in the United States that I experienced because they're really flipping our system upside down and what I learned when I went to Finland is that most European you know Nordic countries got their education you know system principles from us Mm -hmm. and what happened is is they just kind of innovated and we didn't we stayed stagnant and You know, these other countries that learned from us took it to the next level. And so Finland, they figured it out, you know, and and they're still, they still have challenges. They still have, you know, a lot of areas to improve, but, and they have a completely different system, right? They're paying 60% of their income to to taxes that covers a lot of things. Um, But yeah, like you said, Finland has the least amount of time spent in school. They have no homework. Um, the grading system is really is completely different, and um, obviously the pressures to get into college are 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 almost non-existent compared to what they are here in the United States. So, they're the number one education system in the world in terms of you know the metrics that we use to 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 gain that statistic, and you can see why. You know they don't they value health within their young people as well. I think that's one of the biggest highlights. Every single school across Finland has a vegan or vegetarian food option. And when you look here in the United States, like almost every school district is required to sell dairy, which is okay. But they are paid off from the dairy industry because of capitalism. And I'm, I'm all for, you know, I'm all for capitalism. I'm not against it, but I think there's certain aspects to it that when you're, programming young people to get milk and dairy and you're not educating them on the truth about health they start off at a very early age not really having a true grasp on health and that's not the case in Finland like Finland there's no soda machines in any schools none there's no wow. processed food it's not a, it's not allowed there's no processed meat it's all high quality so really from the ground up Finland cares about that experience for these young people. Whereas I think the United States views our education system right now as a as a business.
0: That's what I was thinking. And
1: there's a lot of people profiting off of people my age, like myself, going to college, getting in a lot of debt, not being able to buy a house. There are people that design that.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, it's, it is eye-opening. I do see a lot of school districts partnering with, uh, with an educator from these international countries just to get their points of view and to try yeah. to make change. But uh, it's it's powerful. Those are some powerful discoveries to have made.
1: Yeah. What are some
0: other issues? Like you mentioned health. Health is probably my most number one value that, that I see is so important. What are some other issues that your film covers?
1: Yeah, so I think student student loan debt is a big one. Um, creativity and imagination is a big one and health as well. I think those are the three pillars that I'm really, I'm trying to keep it focused because there's endless topics and I'll probably end up making this into a docu-series, um, or like episodic content because, because of how much there is to tackle. But you know, what I'm mainly focused on is the standards in in the, uh, I guess the college entrance standards, those are the things that really control curriculum and control the need to, to fill the minds of our young kids with test knowledge, you know, with memorization. And I think if you take away the pressures, the societal pressures to go to college, which is tough, that's a very tough thing to do because it's engraved in us. College is a culture, you know, it is a culture. Every family that has been to college or if a family hasn't been to college, it's like that is the top prize. And I think we have to reshape that idea that college is the top prize. And when you actually look, like one of the interviews I'm, I'm about to do is at Notre Dame and there's a guy, I, I believe his name is, Dan Bishop, I I forget the name, but he admits that, you know, these bigger universities, top tier universities, they're not accepting anybody who college is their top prize. They're Mm -hmm. accepting people who understand college is just a part of the process. It's another step. It's It's a way for them to experience more. And I think what's happening right now is college is that top prize. And then once people get to college, they're lost. You know, I saw it. You know, with probably a good solid 80 plus percent of my friends. And I knew quite a few people when I was going to school at Michigan State that went as undecided. For three years, they were undecided. And then they had to stay a couple of years extra because they had been undecided for so long. So it should be our job. And what I wanna focus on in the film is why do we put so much pressure on college and university, why? It's not necessary anymore. We live in an economy and in a world in which change is happening at a rapid pace. Mm -hmm. And A perfect example is when I was in college, I was, you know, in the digital age of filmmaking. So, you know, I have a cell phone right now that I'm on. That's that's digital. You know, you don't need a tape to plug into the the, you know, the cell phone and it's connected to Wi-Fi. We can stream this video from anywhere. And that technology was just starting to come out when I was in college, but it's it it it's been in development and when i got to college the first two years i had to film on tapes and i was i had filmed on tapes in high school so i knew what i was doing but i was like why i'm paying twenty thousand dollars a year to film on tapes to not learn what i want to learn and then they're telling me i have to take prerequisites and then i'm taking a bowling class and a golf class and i'm paying money for these credits like what the heck is going on? You know, exactly. why, am I, why am I paying this kind of money? So I think that's ultimately the biggest issue right now is getting people to understand that we no longer live in a world where you need to gain your information from a professor. We live in a world now where you can go on Google as long as you're taught how to use the technology, how to discern what is fact, what is not fact, what is fake news, right? What is, what is real, what is not? If you're equipped with how to gather information, you're on a, you have unlimited resources at your potential to, at your your hand to do whatever it is you want. And that's what people should be. That's what we should be doing on a K through 12 level. We should not be telling kids what they need to know. We should be teaching them how to learn and how to discern information and how to find information that, they need to do what it is they want to do it should never be our job to tell someone what they can and can't do i think that's up to them to discover and it's up to us to just guide them in a path that we think is you know the best for them and remove ourselves out of that situation
0: such a shift right it's it's such a shift of where things are right now yeah you want to go but it's possible I see it, and i'm yeah. so grateful that that you're doing this work spencer who was the most impactful interview that you had and why i think i, I think i
1: can get yeah i i definitely would say sir ken robinson i just interviewed him last week and i think that was that was incredible um i mean carol dweck as well i think she she was a, you know just to understand the science behind this is so powerful because when you have science to back these ideas that we're talking about I think that's how we can make some serious change you know if you just have an idea that's not proven it's not that powerful but someone like carol she has hooked up you know scanners to ch- to children's brains while they're experiencing problems and going through different systems and we already have the data to prove a lot of these things and I think Sir Ken I mean as I think most people know who know Sir Ken Robinson is is just an incredible visionary when it comes to understanding the creative process and the value of the creative process within our within our world I think so many times you hear people say that oh I'm not creative you know that's just not me but I think that's BS. I think all of us are creative. I think all of us are just born geniuses. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, the only difference is how we use it. You know, if you are having a family, you're creative. You know, if you're, you know, if you're working at a, uh, a desk, you're creative. You're creative with how you structure your day. You're creative when you cook. You're creative when you read, you know, and how you do these things. So, each one of us operates a, a little bit differently. And I think his interview really revealed to me that standards are, and strict standards are not going to be the way that our education system thrives. It's going it's to limit the potential of generation by generation for, for a long time.
0: Absolutely. Spencer, this is brilliant talking to you to get to this point, watching you from the beginning of this What's your vision from here? Where Where are you going with it, and how can we support you with where you're going?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, my My vision for the documentary is to really drive massive awareness, and I think I've always had the vision that we can change something overnight, you know, and I don't know specifically what that is, but I think there are so many dated practices happening in our country and we need to lay the hammer and say no more we need to say okay these things are not acceptable anymore and it can't really come from a federal level but I think it can come from an individual state level I think all of our state governments can rally together and we can say okay here's the research these are the these are the line items of things that we know work so let's implement that you know let's figure out how to implement that And i don't see that kind of conversation happening i don't see a very clear beacon of light that is everybody's taking action on i see a lot of individual pockets happening all over the place which is beautiful right like people like yourself are taking it upon uh taking it upon yourselves to to make that change and Although I know it seems dark at times, it seems like nothing's happening, it, will, it happens. And, and I'm seeing it for you. You're making steps and you're, it's been years and years, but you're making progress. And I think if we can all rally together to support a greater cause, then that allows all of us to lift up very quickly the people who really care about education. So my vision, to answer your question, is to have an event at Washington, D.C., And I want to do it next year. Next August is my goal. It's like a crazy goal. I have no idea how that's going to happen. But I want to do um, kind of like a march on Washington, but make it more of an event. You know, have some really big musicians play, have some really big speakers and bring awareness to equal education. And I, because I think that's what I've discovered, you know, all of these solutions and all of these challenges we face really come down to, are we giving an equal education to every boy and girl on in this country and right now i don't think we are i think we're falling way short i think we're encouraging more and more schools and private schools and charter schools which are great it gives people choice i think it's a stepping stone but we are forgetting about the public schools in detroit you know in inner cities and and we're forgetting that If you don't educate and give each of these kids an equal education we are going to have massive massive gaps in wealth and poverty and we're gonna have a lot of diseases a lot of a lot of ignorance and we're gonna have a lot of hatred and that's what we're seeing right now we're seeing the epitome of that we're seeing so much hate and I think it all can be solved by giving people an equal education
0: Well, brilliant, Spencer. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know you're on the road. Yeah, of course. Thank you. This is a very important work for both of us. And I know how busy you are. I appreciate your time and everything you're doing. And uh, we will support you along the way. We'll connect you to everybody that needs to hear about this film, because definitely that's all I do is I spread the word on what's um, important and relevant in education. So we support you and thank you for everything.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, if there's any anybody who's listening or anybody you want to connect um, this tour with, um, feel free to email me. I can I can send you my email. You could send it out to people. Um, it's spencer at vibestores And yeah, I'm looking for schools. I'm looking for individuals who are you know have a compelling story. Maybe you have a lot of student loan debt, or some you know somebody who just was treated very poorly through their education experience. I want to tell those stories because we can't let those stories go to waste. You know, we have all gone through some serious struggles to some degree and we've gone through those for a reason. And I think that reason is to tell those stories so that we can be a beacon of light for future generations.
0: Absolutely. I'll put all of this in the video, the YouTube, and we'll blast it out. So far, we're in over 20 countries, so you'll you'll definitely get some some feedback here. But thank you, Spencer. I I wish you luck. Of course. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you.